the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You need to get healthy because you are God's building. And when the building is looking good, you give glory to God. You need to get healthy because you are God's temple. And when the temple looks like it's filled with the Holy Spirit, that gives glory to God. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. But you know what I've noticed? I have been in church all my life. Some of you know I, I grew up with a drug problem, right? I was drugged to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Wednesday night. And so uh, all my life I've been around church folks. 25 years I've, I've been in ministry roughly. And I've noticed there's a lot of sickness in church. But I, I'm not talking about physical sickness. I, I'm talking about spiritual sickness. And as we continue our study in 1 Corinthians, talking about our messed up lives in this messed up world, that is what the Apostle Paul is addressing to the church in Corinth. So first of all, a couple of disclaimers. Usually when we gather at a time like this, as we are this morning, the bulk of what we are saying is, is under the assumption that a lot of our hearers already profess that relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and so as a result of that, we're taking God's word and, and we're looking at how that relationship can be more reflective of who he is and what he wants. But we understand that some of you are here and you've not yet begun that relationship. So I, I want to be very clear that how we talk about this is in such a way that you can receive that and understand it. And, and maybe this would be the day that there's a beginning point for you. But like much of the Bible, these words were written to those who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ. And yet their lives were a mess. They didn't look like Jesus, and there was a lot of different ways. It was relationally, it was in their morals, it was in some of their habits, it was in how they acted when they came to church. I mean, just over and over again, the Apostle Paul addressed this group of Christians at this place called Corinth and said, you guys are messed up. One of the things he dealt with a lot was their relationship issues. And, and I've noticed in, in spiritual sickness, it usually, it usually makes itself evident in our relationships. And in fact, the, the first time we began talking through 1 Corinthians, we, we talked about this principle. When there are fault lines in our horizontal relationship, it almost always stems from a fracture in our vertical relationship. So if things aren't right between me and you, then one of us, I, I would almost guarantee you, has an issue with God, uh, because horizontal relationships are deeply dependent upon our health in our vertical relationship. And that's because of the, the principle of what that vertical relationship does. And that's what the Apostle Paul deals with throughout this book. And here's the principle. 
Our connectivity with God is what forms our identity, our identity in Christ. And it's that identity that fuels our activity for his glory. And so if we get those things out of whack, or if one of those things are are messed up, then we have a messed up life in this messed up world. And so, for example, if we're just doing good things, if we want our activity to be good, but we're doing that as we find our identity in something else, or we're doing that outside of a connectivity with God, then everything's going to be out of whack. And no matter how hard we try, we've just got a messed up life in a messed up world. But God wants our connectivity be, to be with him, our relationship to be right with him, so that we understand the most important, to we, to, most important thing to us is who we are in Christ. Our identity is found in him. And as a result, then my activity does begin to look like him. And it is fueled by that understanding, and it's for his glory. And, and that's what Paul began addressing right off the bat in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and and 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And and that's where we ended last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Can I just remind you of how that ended? Let me read a little bit of it to you. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one, for who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The apostle Paul said, hey, I'm looking out at you and you need to understand there are two types of people out there. Some of you are the natural person. Some of you are the spiritual person. And here's how you tell the difference. The natural person, they don't have the spirit of God living in them. They're not saved. They don't have a relationship with God. There's no connectivity. The spiritual person, they've got the spirit of God living in them. And as a result of that, he he tells us that they begin to see things differently. They begin to hear things differently. They begin to imagine differently because of the spirit of God indwelling them. And last week we illustrated that in a simple way. It's one of my favorite illustrations ever. I took that teddy bear that I I bought at Build-A-Bear Workshop and I held it up and showed you how it's supposed to look, the stuffed animal. And then I held up the skin of a teddy bear and reminded you that this is not the way it's supposed to be. It's missing its stuffing. It's not filled with the right stuff. And remember how we talked about we spend our lives and sometimes we spend our wills and we're filled with the wrong things. And when we're filled with the wrong things, we never get the right things as a result. But when we're filled with the spirit of God, we have the mind of Christ. And with the mind of Christ, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even begun to imagine all that God has planned for us. And so Paul ends in saying, and and we have the mind of Christ. And that's where we should be as Christ followers. That Man, this is a messed up world, but thank you, God, because of Jesus, his spirit indwells me. And I have the mind of Christ. But remember, when we read the Bible. What we're reading is those words inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. It's perfect. It's true. It's not a story. It's not fiction or fable. But man did come along and and we took things like this letter and we divided it up to make it a little more readable. So we put chapters in there and we put verses in there. That wasn't the way that Paul wrote this original letter to the church at Corinth. And you see that as we jump into chapter 3 because chapter 3 begins with a conjunction. Notice what it says. But... So he's continuing what he just said. Hey, some of you are living like the natural man. Some of you are living like the spiritual man. Oh, if you're the spiritual person, understand that changes everything because you have the mind of Christ. But 
I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people. Wait, what? He's saying, um, you know, you're, you're spiritual and, and you have the mind of Christ. But when I talk to you, I cannot address you that way. But I addressed you as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, but you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not yet ready. For you are still of the flesh. While there is jealousy and strife among you, you're not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as a Lord assigned to each. Now, we're going to talk about the cause of spiritual sickness today. But in order to do that, I want us to take a moment and pray and just ask God to clear the slate. Now, what I mean by that is to ask God to just free you from distraction. Maybe you came in with discouragement. Maybe there was a family feud, and I'm not talking about the one on TV, before you walked in the doors here today. Maybe you're thinking about what's for lunch. Maybe you're thinking about all that you've got to do today and to launch into a new week. And let's just pause and say, God, speak. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that. God, speak to us. Teach us what we do not know. Give us what we do not have. Make us what we've not yet become for your glory. God, we would want to see what others don't see. We would want to hear what others don't hear. We would want to begin to dream and imagine what most minds have not yet conceived for your glory. So use this time for that purpose, freeing us of the things of this world so that we might hear the truth of your word. God, as I have on my knees before you a couple of times already this morning expressed, I am not worthy to be a messenger, so hide me behind the message of the cross. Give me the words to say and the thoughts to think because I am still in this process seeking to be what you want me to be. And as a result, Lord, change us. Help us to walk out of here different and better for your glory. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So Paul is dealing with Christ followers in Corinth who are not living up to their name. They are called Christians, but they are living more like Corinthians. And the truth is, in that day, that phrase had meaning just like Christian did. Corinthians were used around the world to describe those who were living sordid, worldly lifestyles. 
And so Paul was saying, though you bear the name of Christ, you're looking more like those who reflect the culture of Corinth. He was describing people who had a relationship with God, but they were not growing in that relationship with him. Now, here's a test. Let's see if we can remember what the Bible teaches are three stages of the salvation process. I was saved. I am being saved and I will be saved. What do we call it when I was saved? Justification. That's right. Because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, because of what happened when I trusted him for my eternal life, it is just as if I've never sinned. Once and for all, I was justified. I was saved. If there's been a time in your life where you began a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have been justified. Thank you, God. When he looks at us, he doesn't see us in our sinfulness. He doesn't see us in our fallenness. He doesn't see us as we've blown it again as we do. He sees us clothed in the righteousness of his son, Jesus the Christ. It's just as if we've never sinned, but we're being sanctified. We're being saved. We're growing in godliness. We're supposed to look more and more like him. We don't become sinless when we become a Christ follower, but we should sin less when we become a Christ follower because one day we will be glorified. We will be saved. We'll spend eternity with him face to face in heaven. Paul was saying, you have been justified, but but you're not being sanctified the way you need to. You started the journey, but you're not growing in that relationship with God that reflects him in this world. So you don't look like a little Christ. You look like a little Corinthian. And that's a problem. So here's what I'd encourage you to do. Take that note sheet or something and take out a pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, Crayola or something or take out your phone or something and jot maybe a line and and maybe put an error at one end and on on the left side, put the, the, the number zero and then maybe put 10 on the far right side. And I want you to think about where you are in your spiritual journey. Now, some of you may be zero. Let me explain that. Some of you, as I said a moment ago, you've not yet begun a relationship with Jesus Christ because in order to grow in a relationship with Jesus, you have to be born into a relationship with Jesus. And so if you're not there, that's okay. Just think of yourself right now at the zero point. You're not a zero, but you're at zero point on that scale, okay? Some of you've been at this for five, 10, 15, 20 more years. I want you to think about if you started at zero, where are you today? How have you grown in your relationship with Christ? Now, Paul illustrates this by talking about what they ate. He he says, um, I I can't call you the spiritual person because you're not looking like the spiritual person. And let me just give you one example. He said, all you want is the milk. I can't give you the meat. In the Bible, there's three types of spiritual food described. We have milk, we have meat, and we have manna. The milk is where an infant begins. It's it's where a baby begins in their nourishment process, just like a physical baby. But you're not supposed to stay there, right? You're you're supposed to grow, and, and so you're supposed to want meat. And then manna is just when we're just communing with Jesus. We're just feeding off of of Jesus himself. And and you've heard it said, you are what you eat. Well, here's what Paul was saying is you, all you want to eat is this milk of the word. And, And so you're an infant, you're a baby. I don't know if you realize this, but right now, right next door to us, some big things are happening. There are people that are caring for the littlest ones in our midst. That, that's how we can hear each other and hear because they're not 
people crying all the time. And, and so one of the things that will be a highlight of, of the next 60, 70 minutes next door to us is, yes, they'll teach God's word, and yes, they'll sing some fun songs. But at some point, some, somebody will, will go get these little yellow fish-shaped creations. They're called goldfish. And somebody else will set out a napkin, and they'll put four or six or eight or ten goldfish on that little napkin, and then they'll get those little vacation Bible school cups, those little Dixie cups, those little paper cups that you only use when you're in preschool, I guess, because who could drink just that little bit? And so then they'll pour juice in there, and you would think as you watch those preschoolers that they're sitting down at Burns, because this is the highlight. They got goldfish and juice, and it makes their day. And, and sometimes if the preacher preaches too long, they have to cut around too, and they get more goldfish and juice. But anyway, so Paul is saying, you know, some of you, all you want is goldfish and juice. And you're, you're missing out on the things that really should be nourishing you in the faith. And, and the way that looks practically, the way we know that just as we get into God's word is, is if we're not studying God's word or if we don't hunger for the things of God's word. Or if we go to the church and we just go, well, that was just too deep for me. I, I just want something that makes me feel good. It would be like a child going into a nice or an adult going into a nice restaurant and the waiter or the waitress is asking what would you like and you're just saying just give me a bottle of milk the looks you would get it it would not make sense so paul was saying really there are not just two types of people there are three types of people yes there's the natural man and the natural man is that person that, that does not have a relationship with Christ. We learned in Jude, it says they're void of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is not residing in them. Don't buy the lie. There is no little bit of God in everybody. If you're a natural man, there is no God in you. The Spirit of God is not residing in you. But then he said as a spiritual man. And we learned last week that when you began that relationship with Jesus Christ, whether you grew up in church or you grew up out of church, whether you have been uh, uh, led a life where, where you didn't drink and you didn't chew and you didn't go with girls that do, or, or whether you led a life where you've done everything in the book, when you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1 that he comes in and seals you until the day of redemption. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now... We continue with our message. That's a spiritual man. But Paul looked at them and he said, I can't speak to you as a spiritual man. But what he implied was, I'm not going to speak to you as a natural man because you're not, because you've been justified. You've already got that relationship with Jesus, but you just don't look like it. So I'm going to call you the carnal man. 
You're, you're living in the flesh, though you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. And he, he teaches us that that's not good. <laughs> and so I want you to think about that scale that you draw, or at least it's in your, your mind's eye. And I want you to think of where you are, because some of you, you've got a messed up life in this messed up world. And this is the root. It's not that you don't have a relationship with Christ. You understood it. You meant it. You began that relationship with him, but you've never followed through. You've never continued to grow. I'm so thankful that that we can begin with the milk of God's word. I'm so thankful that the truth of the gospel is so simple, even a child can understand it. Aren't you? Last night we were coming home from a family dinner and and we just started singing and we, we started singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And, and my little five-year-old girl, she's only been exposed to church for these last few years and yet she's singing it at the top of her lungs. Jesus loves me, this I know, far the Bible tells me so. That's the milk. That's the simple truth of the gospel, of God's word. I'm grateful for that. But I don't want to just stay there. I want to begin to understand that more. I want to grow in that understanding. And so Paul begins to describe what that spiritually immature person looks like. So some of you are thinking, well, where am I? How do I know? What does it look like if I'm spiritually mature? Immature. I'm glad you've asked because he describes it. He says, first of all, the spiritually immature, they're consistently discontent. They're never happy. It's never enough. And see, that's easy to spot in this culture because that is our culture. We always want more. We never ask the question, how much is enough? And so we spend what we make and more regardless of what we make. And he says a spiritually immature person is is never content. And we know this because he says there's jealousy and envy among you. You're looking over that person and say, I wish I had what they had. Or when that person gets chosen to, to, to lead in the church, you say, I don't know why they got chosen and I didn't. Or, or when that person stands up and sings, you're thinking, man, I can sing better than that. And, and you're never... You're, you're never content. And, and just fill in the blank to describe what discontentment looks like in your life. Paul, in God's word, teaches that if we walk in the spirit of God, we experience great contentment. That's what Philippians 4 is about when it says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. He's saying, I'm content. Whether I have or have not, whether I'm rich or whether I'm poor, uh, whether I have much or whether I have little, he's saying, I'm content because I'm trusting my God. And the spiritually immature person is never content. But there's a second thing, and that's really the big thing that he gets at here. The spiritually immature person is constantly divisive. He says there's this strife and there's this division among you. And it's just evidence of your lack of growth in Jesus. Have you ever met those people? They just always want to fuss and fight. They're always negative. 
Sometime in other churches, we don't call it here, but in other churches, we used to have business meetings. And there was this one guy, uh, he would always raise his hand and want to be called on. And, and I would sometimes I just want to say, yes, sir, I, I know you want to stand and give us a word of discouragement. <laughs> and some people are, are just like that. And what Paul is saying, when there is a presence of relational strife, it's almost always an indication of the absence of spiritual growth. Because if I'm growing, the closer I get to Jesus, the more I see of me. And the more I see of me, the more I see how much I need Jesus. And the more I see how much I need Jesus, the less likely I am to point my fingers at you. Are you at the same place you were when you began this journey? Or or some of you, what you've done, man, you were on fire. You're ready to take on hell with water pistols. And man, you took out, you moved from zero to one to two to three to four to five. And then something happened. Maybe somebody made you mad in church or, or maybe, maybe something happened in life. That was a circumstance that you didn't like, or maybe that habitual sin sprung its ugly head back up and, and you begin to step back and the spirit of God is in you. You're justified but you're living carnally. You're living in the flesh. I want you to evaluate your growth. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.